Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a Jewish coffeehouse podcast where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, coach, and also your host. Hey you guys, thank you so much for coming back and listening to this 100th episode. It is such an honor and privilege to be doing this episode and I am just so grateful that you have been with me on this journey. I am redoing this episode because yesterday I did a live and the audio quality was awful, so today I'm trying something else because that's my motto. If it doesn't work, just keep trying, try again, next time. Perfection is not my motto. If you know me, you know that very well by now. And I apologize, even though I'm not into apologizing. (laughs) I am into apologizing, but not for this kind of stuff. Last few episodes that we were doing live, the technology has been a little bit compromised, and I apologize for the listening experience not being as pleasant as it has been in the past. So here we go. This is the 100th episode. It's all about what I've learned over the last 99 episodes, why do I keep doing what I'm doing, and I'll just share and be vulnerable with you, and I hope this brings value to you, and and sharing this journey with you is has been such a powerful learning experience for me. So here we go. What I've learned over the last 100 episodes. Number one. If you just reach out to people, most of the time they'll respond, or most of the people will respond, or some of the people will respond. People are so encouraging and pleasant and happy to be a part of projects that are exciting. And I mean, creating things that are win-win is definitely a plus. So this platform has started out by being a way for me to use my voice, not just with singing, but also by uniting and collaborating and bringing voices of other women to to you. Um, So this has been an extremely awesome way to create this database, to create one place where so many talented women are all interviewed and the stories behind the scenes are shared and all these expectations or assumptions that people have around creative women just to correct or create the context for what everyone here is doing. And I think it has done so much good and created so much support. And I had no idea what this podcast would be when I started out. And a shout out to Rivka Harris, who has inspired me and pushed me to start this podcast. So thank you. If you have listened throughout the episodes, I know when I started out, I I was in a very down place. I was going through a really hard time because I was questioning all the efforts and time and energy and money I spent uh, and put into all my projects and passion projects. And then realizing I can't monetize this, questioning whether I'm legitimate, whether I can justify doing all of this, putting in so much time, and it not paying for itself. And then I went through a shift, and a lot of it had to do with meeting the right people, being open to exploring new ideas, 
being open to change the way I think in a very, very, very significant way. And I am so happy to be here and share this journey with you and share a little bit about the growth that has come and everything I've learned from all the incredible women and some men I've interviewed and had the pleasure of having on this podcast. So if you know, I am a junkie for the high. I love creating music and singing and composing, working in the studio, interviewing, all this kind of stuff. I'm wondering if I'm missing anything. I just love creating content. I love the feedback I receive. I love being able to create something that doesn't exist. And that's the answer to the first question, which is, why are you doing this if it's so frustrating? So I cannot see myself doing anything else. I kept a nine-to-five job once in my life. It lasted four months long, and it was quite a miserable experience for me. So I had to find a different way to occupy my time and to fulfill my, my passions and use my skills. So the next question for myself is, what have you done? What have you tried out there? Why hasn't it worked? And let me tell you this, it was life insurance, all kinds of insurance. So insurance sales, all kinds of sales, multi-level marketing companies, trying out different businesses. I was selling whatever I can to anyone around me. But then when it came to my music, I wasn't able to sell that. It was a part of me, it just felt like either unethical or something that either had to be super expensive or free. So it was very hard for me to price my own skills or my own music. And I hope I am not complicating all of you with all these little details, but this is the journey. This is the process. You know, lots of thoughts coming in, lots of things coming in the way of me being able to apply my business skills to my musical passion or the passion of creation, creating. I did major in business, not in music. So as an adult in college, I went for business. And for me, being able to merge the business and the music has been a lifelong challenge. So the next question is, why did you stop teaching and performing? So the short answer to this is, Teaching was very not well paid. My students were not motivated or as much as I would have liked them to be. I also kept moving around, so I didn't have that long-lasting relationship with my students where they actually got results I would have been proud to share with other people. And performing. Just to put it out there, the amount of energy it takes to actually get a gig, do all the negotiating, show up, do the performance, leave all the social media around it and the highs and the lows and the schlepping and the and later on it was the babysitting coordination, the traveling. It was so much work, so much energy, and I always felt like I wasn't getting paid enough or appreciated enough. And by appreciated enough, I meant like I didn't have the tools I needed to put on the concert or performance I wished to do because it was low budget, because it was, you know, oh, we just want, we just want some entertainment 
for our group or for our event. It doesn't have to be professional. We'll, you know, we'll go with whatever you have. And that kind of work breeds resentment as somebody who wants a professional level, who wants to be working with professional equipment, with a staff, with a team. Also having to negotiate on my own behalf took up so much energy. And the amount of time for one gig to come through could have been over several months. And it's I wasn't performing every month or every other week or even every few months. So the amount of work for the amount of pay really killed it for me. And I didn't want to go up on stage anymore if being on that stage brought any resentment or any resentful feelings for me. And with teaching, similarly, it just wasn't, even though I love my students as people, and I loved working with them, and every time I left, I had a smile on my face. It wasn't enough to keep me motivated and excited. And that's my chase. I chase for things that keep me excited and motivated. And the other thing is, I keep bringing that up, and I keep bringing this up in my posts, in my podcasts. It's all about the money for me. Not all about, but when it comes to interacting with the outside world, it comes down to money. Or at least if money is taken care of, then we can move on to the other things. Naomi, shout out to you. Uh, You reached out to me after I wrote this post this last past week about tuition and chasing or needing to be a millionaire in the Orthodox lifestyle and that being a requirement, a Jewish requirement, not a, a thought or dream influenced by media or secularism. And, and she said it very clearly. If you don't have to think about the money, then you could actually go and live your purpose. You could actually go and do all the things that you're meant to do in this world and be the best person you can be. But because we're all so caught up in the money place and the negotiating and the we're at such a basic, at, we're at the bottom. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy, if we can't get past the physiological stuff. Like I can't pay my bills with the work I'm doing, then... I'm not even in a place to start talking about giving or performing for free or doing projects for free or collaborating for free or whatever projects that take up tons of time and energy and work and are not compensated and that's what you do professionally. So that's what it all came down to for me. And the question that I'm answering here, and I keep forgetting to say what the question is before I answer, why are you so obsessed with making money? And the answer is, it's because if I want to do the stuff I want to do the way I want to do them, I need money and I don't want to have to think about money. Which is what I'm getting into now. How me finding my coach who is actually on this podcast, Jennifer Rosenfeld, she has showed me and taught me a way that I can create a business that works for me with my lifestyle, where I can earn based on what I need to create the services and to create the support I'm creating and to continue doing this podcast that's absolutely free. If I am able to offer extremely valuable services to people who really want them and need them and will pay for them, then I'm able to do all the things in my life I want to do. That includes going on vacation, which by vacation I mean turning my computer and phone off so I can focus on my family or making Shabbos and Yantif or paying attention to my kids and not having to worry about just getting that next client or that next gig or that next student because I am working with a business model that works for me in my life. 
So meaning I get to work as many hours as I want from wherever I need to be. I can take off when I need to and I get paid what I need to so I can live that kind of life as a mom, as an Orthodox Jew, and as a musician. Another reason why I may be obsessed with making money is because in my head, if I have a business that's earning, then I deserve or can earn the respect to take time for hiring daycare and my kids being with somebody else. Or I can have the respect or space or whatever logistical thing I need because my creative work is work that's paying money. So it has to be treated with the space and respect that anyone else going to a job and having to leave everything on somebody else. So it has been a personal struggle. And I just listened to Neshama Kabaf's interview from the 50th episode where I felt so illegitimized and I felt like I couldn't just come to terms with saying what I do and feel good about it. I needed the monetary part to be with it. And let me just make it all clear. If you are able to earn from your talents, if you want that, meaning you want to transition from amateur or hobby life to professional, then it allows you to really dedicate the resources, the time, and the energy it needs to go all the way. You also gain the respect from people around you and maybe your spouse or parents or, or whoever is supporting you to put that energy toward it. Meaning, if this is a hobby or project, it's going to fall it's going to be the last thing on your list when things come up. But if it's work, even if it's COVID, you're going to make do. You're going to figure it out because that's your work and it's going to come first or at least second after your family. But it's going to be prioritized. And another thing I would like to stress is that this kind of business model that I implement with my clients and for myself, it's not about working 80-hour weeks. It's about creating something that works for you in your lifestyle. It's definitely possible, and I'm telling you this because it is possible for me now. It's happening for me right now. It's happening for my clients. So it proven, it works, and it makes me so happy. I'm obsessed with money, so I don't have to be obsessed with money. How about that? I just want to do the things I want to do, and I feel like money is standing in my way of doing these things, and once that is set in, then I could do everything else. And now... Since that's been something I'm working on, doing this for my clients as well, we are making money a non-issue. We're making, we're actually in creating and encouraging a place where you yourself or me ready to pay for high-end things ourselves because we want to save time or because we want quality. We're not just looking for the cheapest thing. It's so funny. If you had asked me a few months ago, I would tell you, um, I always find the cheapest you know, contractor or the cheapest quote or the cheapest service provider. And now in a place where it's, I'm looking for quality, I'm looking for somebody who knows what they're doing, and I don't want to waste my time having to micromanage people who are figuring it out and where I have to do the hand-holding. Yes, we're raising the level. We're creating more of it. And I think the more women who are empowered because they are able to prioritize their work and be seen and valued for their skills and their services that are so needed out there, the more good that can be created, the better of a role model you are for your children. 
I also think artists who are always depreciating what they have and the gifts they have and their passion they have, the less confident of a person you are because you're using so much energy to suppress who you are. And you have to make up for the energy of all, all of it that's sinking your energy. Meaning you're not just at zero. You're trying to make up to just get to zero because you're spending so much energy suppressing or having to push away what you really want to be doing in your life, which could be teaching, creating workshops. Okay, talk to me about generosity marketing. Generosity marketing, and I love the word generosity in general, but... What I love about it is because I've, been, I've already been doing it and then I learned about the concept, so it's awesome. It's basically creating content that's free, that is super useful and valuable to other people, provide some sort of service or support system to others, and you are not asking for money in return. And what I love about the model, the business model that I implement and use for my clients and this could be for any type of artist. What I love about it is that you're still able to do that. It becomes part of the business. You can actually be helping so many people because you're only charging a few people. Because you only need a few clients or a handful of clients. And generosity marketing is a part of the business model. So let's say I found a job or a gig or whatever and it would take me away from doing this podcast or it would take me away from doing my music videos, then I wouldn't want that kind of business. But if your business promotes your creativity and inspires you and encourages you to create more of the stuff you already love, then isn't that a win-win? Next question, how do you help creatives and musicians make money? And I think I spoke about that, but I'll just address it. In a different way we create business models where we go away or shy away from hourly rates into packages and we charge based on results and not hours or sessions or weeks and this is such a hard concept for so many of us to learn especially when we're so used to charging for the hour because if you're charging for the hour and you want to make more money you're going to have to work more hours. And what happens when you work the maximum amount of hours you can? You have less time for your family. You have less time for the things you want to do. And you show up for the clients you have exhausted, drained out of your mind. And is that what your clients want from you? What if you can have a business where the clients are paying you in a way that allow you to take care of your family and your needs and self-care and your creative projects? And you get to take courses or improve your skills and whatever else. And then when you show up for them, you're doing it on such a high energy level. They're able to access that energy and get the results they want based on your skills because you're always developing yourself and you're working at being your best self. Then that's so much more worthwhile to them. So do you want to be a worn out teacher who just teaches 12 hours a day or 10 hours a day? Or do you want to teach a handful of students, but their results are on a different level and you're able to access motivation and ambition that they didn't know they existed because of the type of person you are showing up to be? So that's just a few little tidbits of the work we do. And if you think about it, it's real out there. If, if people 
you know, if you had a celebrity out there who wanted confidentiality with a therapist or a doctor or whoever else they may hire, even a nanny, they will be paying a lot more than your average person because there are other things that they're getting in return, like confidentiality or like they won't just get taken poached by somebody else because they're getting paid what they need. Another motivation for people is time is money. They don't want to have to learn everything on their own and do something on their own. So what if you offered something that takes care of all their needs in a wholesome way where it's not just one hour, it's it's a whole experience, it's a whole new level. And I feel like I'm talking gibberish to some of you, but if this makes sense to you, it's because, and this this is what has been for me. <laughs> if, you, if you have seen me over the last few months, I had a baby, COVID happened, Pesach, whatnot, and I'm still plowing here, putting out episodes and doing lives, and where am I getting this energy from? The energy is coming from me doing what I'm loving and I have to be doing this because it gives me energy to do, to be a good mom and to be a good wife. So it sounds a little bit reverse if you think about it, but really it's the most direct way. If I was not taking care of my emotional and energetic needs, then I'm no good to anyone. So if you are a creative spirit, you have to nurture it and you have to make it support you so you can keep doing it and live your best self. Next question. Are you ever concerned with judgment or do you have fears around judgment or fear of not being liked? And I think that's a great question. Yes, I am very concerned about people liking me. It feels really nice when people compliment me or give me feedback. I feel really sad when I'm in a position where I might be offending someone or not giving them enough time or attention that I wish I can be. When it comes to Kalisha standards or modesty standards or putting my pictures out there, there has definitely been a lot of going outside of my comfort zone or being scared that somebody I respect might not approve. And yes, all of that has happened. However, I have a mission empowering creative women to live fulfilling lives and that may mean being able to support themselves and their projects that may be stepping out of their comfort zones I'm not saying to do anything halakhically they're not comfortable with but I'm saying if we naturally are inhibited and we don't feel comfortable putting ourselves out there well in a business place if you're not putting yourself out there then nobody knows you exist so how are you supposed to sell your product or your service how are people going to know what you do and there's so many ways of doing it with dignity or in a way you're comfortable with but stepping out of your comfort zone is definitely a requirement in building a business because it's not a comfortable path it's not it's not easy it can be okay what are you working on next so i am finishing up my seventh album and a bunch of music videos to go along with it. Half of the album were projects where I collaborated with other singers and artists and dancers and it has been so, so incredible to just do this and being able to fund this on my own. But what's next for me? I think there's definitely space for some sort of record label for grants and prizes and more support for women out there who are at the beginning or in the middle of their journey of creative pursuit. Just getting more support out there, getting more professional support out there. I would love for us to have a sold-out stadium 
of women who are showing up because they want some good Jewish music, good Jewish entertainment and dance and acting or whatever else it is, and not because they're showing up to support an organization or because they have to go watch their child perform. I want women to want to go out for women by women entertainment because that's fun and that's exciting. Okay, next question is, what are some of the things you do that help you with your magic and balance? This is plain and straight. If I feel like doing something, I try to seize the moment and do it because I know it will be great. It will have a certain energy to it and it will probably be very efficient and quick. As opposed to me planning out to do something creative and then having to push and push out something that... I envisioned. So obviously this doesn't work all the time and it's not, might not be a professional way of working with things. Like if you're expected to perform something or get something done by with a deadline, you don't have the luxury of pushing it off to when you feel like it. For example, if you have five things on your list, one is social media, one is make a video, one is record a song and another thing, whatever else it is, what are you in the mood for? And then do that. If you're not in the mood for anything, sometimes getting into something or starting something will get you in the mood, but other times it's just best to do something else. It might be take a nap, listen to a podcast, go for a workout, eat something delicious, I don't know, or take a break. So pushing something, especially with creativity, is not always the best thing. And some of my best work has been stuff on a whim, just the energy that comes through is the best. The issue is some of my energy comes in the middle of the night and I don't have the quiet space where I can go and no one will hear me or wake up for me. It's also responsible because I need to be awake for my kids in the morning. So a lot of things get lost and it's sad, but I trust that great things and ideas and energy will come in the morning as well. And I try to tap into that when I do wake up. My next question for myself is what's your biggest fear? And I think That is a real and true question. I definitely have a fear of people judging me or thinking I'm too much or I'm showing off or why am I talking about all these things that are inappropriate or not done. A failure of getting disapproval from my family members. But I think I'm less and less concerned with that as I keep going because I notice all the good that's happening. I'm noticing all the empowered ladies that are coming out of this or that are being inspired to do their own projects because of what I'm doing. I mean, what a high. How good does that feel? It's like somebody else's project happened because some post I wrote a few months ago. What an incredible thing. If I would have shut myself up and said, that's inappropriate, or that's not your place, or that's a subject we don't go into, then maybe this goodness wouldn't come. Maybe this friendship or camaraderie or partnership, or opportunities wouldn't come about. And so focusing on the good is what helps me from dealing with this fear that comes in quite often, sometimes in a more powerful way than others. Another fear of not being successful, and by successful I mean not being able to achieve the goals I set for myself. It's very scary because I'm really putting myself out there and I'm trying so many things and I'm exploring different avenues and it's scary. It's really scary because 
it's the unknown. It's I'm doing this on my own, even though I have a support system. That's amazing. Any piece of advice for anyone listening? Sure. I have so much. And every day it's something else. Number one, be open-minded. Be coachable. Be open to seeing what's right in front of you, what's needed, what can you do, what can you listen to, what can you receive or give. Number two, being okay with failing and trying it out again, not striving for perfection right away. Number three, being able to take inspired action and taking initiative, stepping up, not just using your thoughts of I'm too scared or this is not for me or this is never going to happen for me or I don't have time or I don't have money or I'm not good at this, or who's going to believe me, or think I'm good, or all these kinds of things that may come up for you. So taking inspired action is very important. If you're just going to do the talk without the walk, then this is not going to happen. And the next thing is really being able to step out of your comfort zone, which is really all connected. My last piece of advice, get support. And the support can look like anything. It can be a podcast. It could be a book. It can be an article. It can be a Rebison or your friend or your family. Yes, it could be a coach as well. And for me, my coach has been a pivoting, career-changing moment for me where I decided I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to have somebody who knows what they're doing support me. And I'm being honest with you. I was so depressed. I felt so down. Doing this podcast taught me so much about myself, about what other women are going through in this industry and in similar fields. And finding someone who believes in me and who's able to show me how I can shine or I can offer what I offer and feel validated, supported, and nurtured with what I'm doing was key, was, was life-changing. And I would love to be that support, whether it's me or anyone who supports you. I would love to take a part in you really going for it and doing what you're meant to do here on this earth. So I hope this was valuable information. I do not want to come across as I'm selling myself and I'm selling my coaching or whatever it is, or you have to take this business model. What I'm trying to accomplish with this podcast and with this episode specifically is that this is in your hands. If you want to do something that's important to you, that makes you happy, go for it. It's possible. You can find a way to make it happen. If you keep telling yourself, this is never going to happen, or this is not the right time, or I have so many things stopping me, then maybe making this a business and making this a priority will justify and validate it for you so you can actually focus on it. Do you really think you're children or your family members, your parents want you to walk around feeling like you're not happy and you're not fulfilled. So think about that. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear what you're struggling with or what you're passionate about. I would love to know what you'd like to learn more of on this podcast. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my content, for holding my hand through this journey and being so supportive and loving because I'm learning and I'm figuring it out as I go and you're definitely doing this with me. 
in your observing or being a part of the process. It's such a privilege. I'm so grateful for it. And it's so much fun. As I get closer to my 28th birthday next month, I am just so grateful, honored, happy. I feel like I'm in a place where I'm so blessed to be doing what I love to be doing and having the support around me and in some places. And at some times, I had to earn that respect and support. It didn't always come and probably didn't because I didn't fully believe in myself and I couldn't ask for the support I needed. I'm ever growing and changing and things might change and I might be sharing different things with you later on in this journey, but I am truly happy and content with where I am today. And I feel really blessed to become the woman I want to be as a mother. I have two little girls and I want to show them that they can do whatever they need to do with their life and whatever they want to do with their life. I want to thank all my guests, all my collaborators. Thank you so much for listening to the Francisco Show podcast.